Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, Deer Camp Edition. These bonus episodes will launch each week in October and November and feature myself and Sportsman's Empire podcast hosts from around the country. Follow along as we update each other on recent sightings and deer activity, share strategies we're employing to help us get on deer, and just enjoy a relaxed deer camp atmosphere. Before we jump into the show, I do want to say a quick thanks to our partners. The How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point-of-view cameras for outdoorsmen. Tacticam helps you capture your memories from the field so you can relive them like you're back in the moment and so you can share them with family and friends. Their new 6.0 camera features 4K, 60 frame per second footage, up to 8x zoom, a touchscreen display, and one-touch operation. And the best news, you get all of this in a durable, compact, waterproof package. They also just released their Solo Extreme camera that provides all the features you love from your other Tacticam cameras like one-touch operation, HD footage, and a sleek waterproof housing, but in a more budget-friendly option. And of course, Tacticam's point-of-view cameras are supported by an outstanding line of mounts and adapters that will fit your needs whether you're a bow hunter, a shotgun hunter, or a rifle hunter. You can learn more about the 6.0, the Solo Extreme, and Tacticam's full line of products at Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth is making comfortable, durable camo without the sticker shock. This year, I've been wearing the Tarnan pattern, hunting in the piney hills of the southeast and the farmland mosaic of the Midwest, and I've yet to be picked off in a tree. Now, with temps dropping as we get later into the season, I'm rocking their Saskatoon pants, jacket, and vest with the all-new Heat Boost technology, which means more warmth and less bulk. Go check out their Heat Boost line as well as their full line of products at HuntworthGear.com. Now there's one piece of equipment that I use more than any other, and that's my Onyx Hunt app. With top-notch aerial imagery, private and public land boundaries, and the ability to fully customize your waypoints, Onyx helps you scout and hunt more efficiently. On my recent hunt in Wisconsin, I used their elevation exaggeration feature to find the spot within the spot, combined that with their optimal wind feature to show me what the wind was doing in a given location, and used this info to move in and capitalize on an opportunity at a public land bruiser. If you're not already using Onyx, I think you should give them a try. You can find them on your preferred app store and get a seven-day free trial today, or you can check them out on their website, onyxmaps.com. And finally, Deer Lab is the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab helps you store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data so that you can make data-driven decisions as you target your buck this fall. One feature I really love is their heat map, which uses aggregate data to help you locate where a buck is hanging out most. Go check out their website, DeerLab.com, to learn more about all their awesome features and to sign up for your 30-day risk-free trial with no credit card required. When you're ready to purchase, Use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, to get 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get into this week's show. Welcome to Deer Camp. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer Deer Camp Edition, I've got Andrew Munts of the O2 Podcast, John Hudspeth from the Oklahoma 
podcast, Nick Otto from the Hunt of War podcast. What's up, guys? I tell you what, I am, I'm now living the dream. I feel like I hit absolute low uh, October and early November, but I'm, uh, I'm ready to feel, I'm ready to feel good. So I can get into that later. Uh, There is a a golden uh, lining that came to all this Uh, tonight. I actually, spoiler alert, I got to cut some deer with my son tonight with a deer that we ended up getting together. So that was, that was a first, that's the golden opportunity that happened from all this. But yeah, the epic tale, I'll unfold that here in a little bit after you guys do your intros. Well, dude, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you had that opportunity. Yeah, he's, uh, he's all about it. And when, you know, he is, he's sitting with me a couple times and it's always been warm and we haven't been able to see deer. They came out too late or, you know what, he, he got bored and we just, I, I don't want to push it at that point. But this was the first night that everything just kind of worked together. Uh, we sat in uh, a sawmill that's on our, on our farm. Um, I didn't have a blind or nothing for us to sit in. The last blind I had uh, went, Wizard of Oz took off and never found it again. So then it was, well, we'll just use the, the sawmill. Um, he brought his snacks. He brought his, uh, you know, brought his iPad and used that for a little while. Um, right about five thirty, we had a doe come in. She was small, but at that point I just didn't care. I was like, this is the opportunity. He's here. I'm ready to kill something. And so we did, we laid the smack on a doe. We let her lay for two hours. We went back with the gator and, uh, a couple of my buddies came to help me pick it up and threw it in the back of the gator. And yeah, she's now cut up in the freezer. And we had the victory meal of uh, the tenderloins and eggs this morning. So he got to help. He made the eggs. I seared up the meat. And uh, yeah, that was that was his contribution to the family. Heck yeah, man. Hey, dude, when it comes to a dough, I don't care how big it is. I'll, like, you know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? Like, like I do not, if I'm dough hunting, I'm like, I do not care if you were 80 pounds, like you're coming home if that's what yep. I want to do. Uh, but anyway, others, Andrew, what's up with you, man? You're, we're, uh, we're anxiously waiting. So there, okay. Let me, let me foreshadow it with this. Everybody on here has been, ex- has been around shots fired within the last very short amount of time. So Mr. Munts, three under the bus. You want to talk about, <laughs> uh, so, it's been, I, I don't think I was on this last week, um, but I got access to that property we had discussed that I had for a week to get in there. Basically no, no, uh, actual scouting really. And I was playing, I knew the property a little bit, but not great. Um, Saturday morning I went in, I, I, I agonized over how I was going to attack this, uh, because we had a South wind. It was going to be warm. All this, just not really that great, but it was November so it was like you got to be there I set up and 15 minutes into shooting light I have a buck come walking at me and he's just grunting along and he comes up he sees me does this like 90 degree to the south and 90 degrees to east and I mean he you couldn't have walked the thing out on a better leash right Um, but I learned a valuable lesson on that one where um, I did shoot at him I did hit him I recorded it the shot was way far back. And when I say way far back, I'm talking like back leg paunch type area. Uh, the arrow did go all the way through. It broke off in him. Um, but I didn't stop him and I've never been one to stop deer because I always, 
like I kind of buy into that idea. You don't want to make them any more alert than they already are. So uh, I probably lost eight inches or so. in in that process of him stepping forward, um, brought the dog, dog tracker in stuff. Couldn't, couldn't find them. So, um, little torn up about that one, but you know, I guess I learned a lesson. So went out back a couple of times throughout the week and uh, every time I'm seeing deer. So for me, it's like, that is a major, major accomplishment. And I'm not just seeing like those that are coming in to feed or something. Like every time I've been out, I've had a buck nearby. And tonight I had a real wonky one come walking in early, a couple does that came in and busted me. Um, they saw me up in the tree. They didn't blow or anything. But literally, as they're jumping away, I look back and hear something else, and here comes a buck up the this creek. And as he's coming up, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, here comes – he actually looked a lot like the one that I hit on Saturday. I don't know. Same type of structure, though. Um, anyways, he's coming up. But then I hear something else coming from the other direction, and I look, and here's a bigger buck coming. And I'm like – Oh shoot, man. I got to make a decision here. Like, and I don't have a great shooting lanes. This is in a very, very thick, nasty area. And I'm like, you see your lane. Like that's basically what you've got. You got to pick one. So this one came in, he kind of pushed off the other one and I pulled back this time. I stopped him. I let the arrow go. Um, I got it on camera again, but like it wasn't as good of the impact shot impact point. So he took off and you know, I'm sitting there saying my prayers the whole time I'm up in that, that tree. Um, and I got down and I really was like, please be a huge bloody arrow. Please be you know, blood everywhere. Please, please, please. And the arrows covered in essentially brown matter. So, Oh, I think we've got a gut shot and I've talked to uh, a dog tracker, actually a different one this time, but he will not go in until 24 hours after. So, um, we're going to go do that tomorrow afternoon. We are also supposed to get about two inches of rain here tomorrow. So, uh, he tells me that really shouldn't be an issue, but, um, that's my week in a nutshell. I, as far as how everything has been going. So, yeah, man, I want to pick apart the shot a little bit. So you sent me the video and it looks like that arrow passes close to the tree that was kind of to the right of your shooting lane. Is that what you saw too? And he was yeah. kind of, he was kind of quartered, not like toward you, but he was kind of quartered too. just not, I mean, just ever so slightly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I honestly, I don't, I was just telling you, I was looking at the deer anatomy. Like, I don't know how that didn't catch lung or liver. Or, I, I can't believe it had more blood on it, but it was a lot of hair and uh, brown, a little bit of blood, but mostly brown. Dude, if you pass through like, if you catch like the back of a lung, liver, and then through some guts, I've seen it where the arrow, basically the guts clean, like make it look just like a straight gut hit. I thought about that, but I'm going to play this super safe. And, uh, this property is not one to screw around on because it is, it's so thick and dense. Like today when I, this was the worst access I've ever had. I had a plan going in today that I ended up completely diverting from because I'm like on my hands and knees crawling through these thorns and everything else. You know, I'm getting stabbed in my hands. Um, and, and everything else. Like I was just like, I got to, so I kind of diverted down to this Creek. I got up in the first tree I could that as I, it's always funny, you get up there and you start looking around and you're like, Oh, there's a scrape and there's a really nice path. And there's like another path. And so things kind of came together. 
obviously I saw a lot of deer sitting in there more than I have seen probably my entire life uh, in one sit. But yeah, I don't know. As far as the shot goes, fingers crossed that it's actually better than what it looked like. So yeah, the it, video didn't really look bad. It, it, it looked to me like if your arrow was a little left, it looked to me like you would have caught the back of one lung liver in front of the guts. I'm, I agree a hundred percent. Like that's what it looks like. So have you guys noticed anything about like that when you're like, if you get like a little bit of a lung then through the liver and the guts, like what the arrow looks like. I, anytime that I've had issue with getting back toward gut, my issue has been that I, I get terrible blood because that intestine will plug that back hole. Yep. Um, if, if it's a high shot that I've already hit on, like there's, it's got to take a long time for blood to fill. And if that backside is low, but that intestine sticks out, man, you're going to get a little bit of matter here, a little bit of, you know, brown matter or whatever. Then it becomes a real difficult issue. That's where the dog is really going to be able to really pick up and hopefully help you out. Andrew is finding, finding that. Um, Cause yeah, anytime that I get one that far back, it's like, yeah, just like you did pull out, wait a couple hours wait six hours even because as soon as you bump it, you've ruined it. Yep. Let it die. It's going to die, especially if you got to, got the path through where it's, it's going to die. Now, how close is it going to die is the next question. Yeah. And I, I shoot single bevel. So I'm, I'm big on that. The, the pros and cons is that I basically never, every arrow I've ever shot into a deer passes through. The, the, the con is that, you know, the incisions this big and the exit, you know, out pass out is, is this big. It's not, you're not getting a gaping hole where you've just got stuff going crazy. So, but you got the S cuts on the inside. Yep. It's spinning as it's going through. You've lacerated a lot of me- a lot of in there. It's oh, it's a bowl full of chili in him. But at the same time, it's gonna. He's just got to die. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I for that re- because of like when I was younger, I used to hit. I'm hitting deer high right now, and I'm not happy with that. Um, the last two years, I've hit a couple of deer high. Um, when I was younger, I had a tendency to always hit too far back. And I don't know if that was because I was afraid of the, of the shoulder or what it was. I would just hit deer too far back, no matter which direction they were facing. And that's one of the reasons I stuck with mechanicals for as long as I did was if it goes through, you know, guts, liver area, I want a softball sized hole on the other side because of exactly what Nick said is I've recovered gut shot deer that basically were, were blocked up. There was no bleeding going on. I mean, they just had intestine hanging out of a, you know, a small hole there. So, well, man, we're, we're, I think you're going to recover the buck. I think, I think a gut shot deer, I think dog trackers like that. I think their recovery rate Mm -hmm. is really high on gut shot deer. Um, so I think you're going to, I think you're going to have some success. So when I called him tonight, he was on his way back from one that he had just been doing where the guy had shot, a gut shot a deer then last night five o'clock and they had just found it and had just died. So yeah, there you go. Um, good friend of mine is a a good dog tracker and we've talked a little bit about, about his dog and, and how it works. Um, he finds just like he was saying with, with your dog tracker, he doesn't like to get in there too early because it's like a fire hose of scent onto that dog. Like it can't pick out, left or right. Cause it's just getting hit with so much scent. So giving it that time and maybe giving it a little bit of a wash down with maybe hopefully not two inches of water, but 
given that time, that's going to help narrow down that scent path. And hopefully that dog is just going to lead you right to where that thing is laid down. Yep. I, I hope so, guys. I hope, <laughs> I'm about to take up croquet or something if this doesn't work. <laughs> so, John, you are you you did a little bit of hunting. I did. Yeah, I uh, I was hoping to get on here last week, but uh, wasn't able to. But uh, yeah, I um, I guess yeah, it was two weeks when I was on here. Uh, I was at hunting camp talking to you guys. And we had a big rainstorm coming and that hit and, uh, it was really slow for gosh, several days. So I think I took a vacation day on Friday. So I hunted Friday morning, Friday evening, Saturday morning, and then ended up killing my buck Saturday evening. Uh, Friday morning was like, so I saw like four does, uh, but that, that front moved in around like 10. So I saw a couple does, no bucks. And then it started raining. I mentioned last time, like, down here, it doesn't really, like, there's no such thing as, like, a nice, easy rain. Like, it's either raining or it's not. And so, um, I ran around a little bit, uh, ran out to the public land real quick and checked some, some cameras, saw a couple scrapes, and so that was encouraging. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, about lunchtime, the skies opened up, and it just poured and poured. And so, I was actually, I was sitting in a recliner watching TV and uh, looking out the window and like three o'clock came around I was like, all right, still raining. Like four o'clock came around, still raining. Five o'clock came around. So I had basically just given up. I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to mess with going out. Uh, and then at five 45, I look out the window and it wasn't raining. And so actually like that late in the day, I threw on my clothes, ran up there, got into blind for like the last hour and, uh, ended up seeing two smaller bucks that evening. Uh, but then the rain picked back up that night. My cameras were dead. Still woke up and went hunting Saturday morning. Didn't see a single deer. Actually, I, I saw a bobcat as I was parking my four-wheeler, and then I saw four coyotes uh, that morning in the drizzle. Zero deer. And so I was feeling pretty discouraged, but I just kept telling myself, I was like, man, as soon as this front moves out, like things are going to be better. Uh, and so sure enough, that front was supposed to move out about 1 o'clock. And so I had my stuff ready, got out nice and early, about two o'clock. This would have been October 29th, I think, that Saturday. And uh, the week before, I'd gone out to our place just for like the day, just kind of get things ready because I knew I was going to be taking this vacation. And, uh, and like, I, I, you know, with the baby and everything, I was putting a lot of eggs into this weekend. It was also the last weekend of muzzleloader, so I had that advantage. And, uh, so yeah, the week before I'd kind of gone around and, you know, just checking everything, cameras and everything. And, uh, at this one spot, it's, uh, I have a buck that I've been after for years, but he's just super nocturnal, you know, get a, a lot of nighttime pictures, but I know he beds on the neighbors and just for like, just on a whim, I was like, you know what, I'm going to make a scrape because our, our property, it's like, I talk about it all the time, just a wide open Bermuda grass pasture. Like there's no reason for deer to be out there. Uh, I have a feeder that's pretty much all I'm banking on. But I went over to the property edge where the thick stuff meets our pasture. And I took a hammer out of my toolbox and I made a mock scrape in the, like, I mean, you know, Bermuda grass, those don't know, it's like carpet, like it's thick. And so I actually took the cloth out of my hammer and made this little mock scrape. And I bought my first uh, bottle of fake scent. And since like 2014, I'm pretty sure like I remember to the years, 2014. And I bought some just super cheap, like kinks, 69, you know, bucklew or whatever poured that in there the week before. And then I went down the line a little bit to a second tree and just like, just kind of with my foot, didn't make a real one, but a little smaller one. 
So anyway, fast forward, I was sitting in my blind hunting, got in there at like two o'clock, nice and early on Saturday and not seeing a single thing. And, uh, actually there was about 30 hogs behind me that I was getting really frustrated at. They were out of range and, uh, sitting there and all of a sudden I look up and I just see like this big rack coming down the tree line. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like what's happening. And, uh, so I, I was so angry. So I, I brought my GoPro and my big camera with me because I've been trying to film more. I reach up, turn my GoPro on, and I don't know what happened. Like, I, I guess I hit the button too many times, and it was just like switching modes instead of recording. So finally I was like, all right, give up on that because I keep looking like he's just coming up, and he's just like making scrapes. Like anytime there's an overhanging branch, he's just all up in it. And so I, like every time I look up, I just see this big rack like shaking in the, you know, in the tree limbs. So I forget the GoPro, open up my big camera, and somehow, like, I had, I had filmed myself a little intro, and I don't know what happened, but I somehow turned the manual focus off, and so I'm, like, trying to zoom in on the buck, and it's all fuzzy and stuff, so I'm getting angry with that, so finally I give up on that, and he's just coming closer and closer, and uh, so finally uh, I have to open up a corner window, and when I do that, I see him kind of look over at me. And I can tell right away, he's not going to come to the feeders. Like he's on a mission. And so pop the muzzle out the window. He was about 70 yards and dropped him in his tracks right there. And, uh, kind of the craziest part of it. I walk over there to him and I didn't even realize this at the time. Like I'd seen him making all those scrapes, but where I killed him, he was like maybe 15 feet from the mock scrape that I had made the week before. Uh, and so, you know, if I wouldn't have moved, you know, I'm sure that was his next one. Uh, so yeah, super cool. Um, I think he was probably the biggest buck I had on camera. He was not really the buck I went there to hunt. Uh, I was really after that other buck. He'd shown up there, I don't know, three or four days before. Um, that buck, I had like maybe three sets of pictures of him. So I knew he was like there. He was kind of in the back of my mind, but I didn't really go there to hunt him. Uh, but I was not about to pass him up. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's really, really cool. Uh, how, to, how, how it all unfolded and, uh, yeah, I, I hope I, I have another buck tag and a couple more doe tags. I hope to get back out there. But my my wife was like, she actually, she told me, she's like, if you want to keep hunting and try to just go ahead and fill your other tag, like, that's fine. Uh, she's ready for me to just, you know, stay home. But anyway, it was, it was fantastic. Hunt. Yeah, man, it's a beautiful buck. Tell, tell us a little bit about the deer. I mean, he just looks like a toad. Yeah, uh, so he's uh, just a beautiful, beautiful mainframe 10. Uh, I think he had the longest main beams of any buck I've ever killed. I think he was 22 inches on one side and 23 on the other. Jeez. Um, nice time. His tines are a little bit deceiving. They curl in a lot. I think his longest tine was only about 10 and a half. Um, so, yeah, he ended up I wouldn't uh, have just going, that. going just – what's that? I wouldn't have guessed that, he, that his, time, his longest tine was only 10. I mean, he – yeah. They look a lot longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, he just went over 150. Um, so, I mean, a, a very solid buck, but you know, nothing, nothing crazy either. So, but I was there. I have a thing for, for typical 10 points. Uh, I didn't kill my first one, my first typical 10, maybe like three years ago. Um, I killed bucks with more points, less points. Uh, and then, but I've been on a tear. I think, I think four out of my last five have been like nice typical 10 points. And so I hope that streak continues. Yeah. So what, what buck were you in there after was the one you're after smaller? Uh, he, he would be about the same this year. I think in the past he was bigger. Uh, he was, he was the most beautiful typical 10 point you could ever imagine super long times. Uh, but this year he would be seven, seven or eight. 
seven, I think. And he actually shrunk a little bit this year. He's uh, a nine point now, but uh, I passed him. I passed him during rifle season as a three year old, and then he completely disappeared as a four year old. And I've been after him a lot the last two years. And uh, last year he was all over the place. Um, I got two daylight pictures. Two or I think I got three daylight pictures, which that was like a record before I got like one. And he was all over the place. Uh, but this year, he's kind of gone back to his old ways. I have a few pictures of him at this spot, but all at night. Um, so, yeah, he I mean, he would be an awesome buck to put a bow tag on for sure. Uh, but I don't know. I, every year, I call him my 2% buck. Every year, I give myself about a 2% chance of killing him. And so <laughs> far, that's held pretty true. <laughs> Must be nice, John. Man, that's a perfect <laughs> story. <laughs> oh man yeah so you you came home with a beautiful deer though man congratulations yeah man. thank you thank you hey guys just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the how to hunt deer podcast is brought to you by tacticam makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers they're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data so that you can make data-driven decisions this fall. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com for your 30-day risk-free trial. And when you're ready to purchase, use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get back to the show. All right, Mr. Hostline, you tell us what you've been up to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So I am on my way home from the rutcation. As you can probably tell, looking behind me, I'm in a hotel room. I don't normally get hotel rooms when I'm driving, but... um, I've got, I've got several podcasts to record tonight, so I'm going to record a few more after, after we get done here. So it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long night. So I needed good, stable, um, internet connection for just a little bit. Uh, so anyway, so I'm, I'm on my way home. I had had 15 days slotted out to hunt in, uh, the very last day of October on through the 14th of November. And, uh, man, it was a grind on, on some public land. Like I was just, the, the pressure was unlike anything I've seen in the past. And I've, this is my third year hunting the same public spot and oh my goodness, there were people everywhere. Like, I I don't know who clued folks in that, Hey, this is a good spot to hunt. But I mean, there were people absolutely everywhere. And, uh, so it had the deer doing different stuff than they've done in the past spots that were just really hot in the past were not at all this time around. And there was just this huge lack of sign. You know, normally I would go into an area 
And, uh, you know, one of my favorite spots is just covered up in scrapes. I mean, just covered in scrapes. This year, there's like two scrapes in there. And, and I think a lot of that's due to the pressure, but I, I did a bit of scouting today on my way out and, and man, really the whole area just has less sign than it did, you know, this time in, in years past. But, um, one thing that I've noticed, so I told you guys a couple of uh, weeks ago, I hung some cameras kind of in anticipation of scrapes beginning to pop up in these areas because they're typically, you know, covered up in scrapes. I had a buck start a, a, a scrape last night in one of these spots, a scrape never developed there until last night. And I went in today to pull that camera and it's torn up around the tree. Like he came in and just demolished the whole area. But for some reason it wasn't until now. And actually I hunted a spot on my very first day there on, on Monday, my first morning of hunting. And there was zero sign in the area. I went back in today. There's sign all over rubs, scrapes, all kinds of stuff. So I don't know if the weather has them acting a little bit different this year or what's going on, but there definitely wasn't the buck sign that I've seen in years past. So I spent a lot of time just jumping around, hopping from place to place, checking out new areas. Uh, I finally kind of zeroed in on this one little spot. And on day three of the hunt, I had a nice, what I thought was an eight point come in and got good video of him coming in. It was perfect. He came into 15 yards I shot, missed high, or hit him high, uh, barely grazed the top of his back. And I talked about that a little bit on last week's episode uh, when Mitch was on here. And, I mean, I just barely grazed him. Beautiful buck, awesome footage, and I just botched it. So then I spent the next couple of days trying to figure this, you know, 40 to 50-acre area out. I scouted all the different sides, kind of threw some hunts at different spots around the edges, trying to figure out how the deer were using it. And, um, I'd made some pretty crucial assumptions that turned out not to be correct about how the deer were moving. They were actually passing through the spot where I shot that buck on day three was actually not the main area of travel, but I kind of got married to it a little bit because I shot that buck there. Right. I mean, yeah, that'll get you hooked on a spot real quick. So the deer were trying to tell me because every time I'd go into this spot or out of this spot, I would run into deer about a hundred yards behind me, 75 yards behind me, something like that. There was a really good deer trail there. And I, like a dummy just kept ignoring it. Like I was just like, ah, it's not really there. They're not really, they real the big ones want to be down there by the Creek. So, um, finally that last morning that I hunted, I decided to stop short and I walked over to this little ditch, um, took the trail that, that the deer were using. I, I stayed just, you know, downwind of that trail that the deer were actually using a lot walked up into the woods just a little bit um from there and i realized that the ditch that the deer have to cross there's really just one good spot along this ditch and i walked the whole thing today and it's real steep all the way from from the creek to the very beginning of the ditch where there's a lot of water in it it's real steep all along except for this in this one little spot where it just gets really gentle and really um really no longer steep banks, just really sloped banks. Uh, and I sat there, had three little bucks cruise through that morning. A doe and two fawns came through a little while later. And I, I think I said on my Instagram story, I was like, I think that this is the spot. Like I'm sitting there and I'm watching the way these deer are moving through the terrain and the way this little pinch is working. I'm like, I think this is the spot. I just need the right deer to come through here. And, um, by that evening, I was starting to lose confidence real quick because I hadn't seen another deer all day. I hung in the saddle from 
daylight until dark that day. And so, you know, sitting in there, I, I realized very quickly when I hung and hung that morning that if I was going to get a shot, it was going to be at about 15 yards. And so all the deer that came through were just super, super close. I was in a small tree. It's like, man, this is going to be tight quarters. Uh, right at, <clears throat> I think it was about 440 that afternoon, I hear somebody start rattling. And I'm like, man, I can't believe somebody's rattling right now. It's like November 8th or 9th. Like, I, I don't know, you know, how good that's going to be for them. It's November 8th. It's like, I don't know how, the, how well that's going to go. That was at 440. At 445, I hear a bow go off. I hear, and I mean, obviously hitting, you know, chest cavity. I'm like, dang, somebody just smoked a buck. And this guy's way closer to me than I'm comfortable with him being. Like, he's not far from where I'm set up in this tree. Um, but anyway, just, just a few minutes later, man, I hear some movement. And I look up, and there's a buck coming down the, coming down the trail on the opposite side of the ditch. He pinches down through this one little gap in the ditch that narrow, you know, kind of becomes real gentle, um, pops up over it. And dude, when he comes up over this rise, he is not very far below me because, you know, the the side of the ditch kind of has a little bit of a knoll to it. And he is like less than 20 yards. And he takes the trail right through to 10 yards. And I'm like, okay, Josh, don't screw this up. Puts his head behind a tree I draw super fast because he's, I mean, I'm drawing on a buck and he's 15 yards away or less. And I'm like, dude, do not mess this up. Like he's going to spot you in this tree so quick. I drew, he didn't see me. I let it fly and I hit him high again uh, and dropped him in his tracks this time. And so very quickly had a follow-up shot, finished him off, um, got down there to the buck. He was a beautiful buck. I mean, just gorgeous. I get down there to him and I realize there's a scar on his back. He turned out to be the same exact deer that I shot on day three. And, uh, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> dude, same deer shot him in it, shot him from a tree, 75 yards from the first one. And, uh, man, when he came through, I didn't even pay attention to how big he was like, not even looking. And he turned out to be a toad. So, awesome. uh, turned out to be a nine point. Beautiful deer. He's one of the ones I had on camera that I'd shown to you guys. Um, so that that was pretty cool, man, to, to look back now. And I'm like, okay, I've got trail cam pictures of you. And, uh, yeah, he's my biggest buck to date by a lot. And uh, we threw a tape on him at the um, at the taxidermist, and he was right at 140. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, congratulations, Josh. Very That's awesome. awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, did, you I, tell him, did you tell him, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me? That, <laughs> dude, I, I'm telling you, and, and I've got to say, I, I hit him uh, about two inches to the left where I hit him the, of where I hit him the first time. So the difference between a spine shot deer and an arrow that goes just beneath his, the skin, you know, just below the cape, is not very much at all. It's um, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is just, he's got a ton of mass to him. He doesn't, his longest tine is like nine inches and he had 20, like 20 inch main beams, but the mass, he, he makes up for it as with, with his mass. Um, nice spread, decent spread on him too. I mean, 17 and a half uh, inside spread. So, I mean, beautiful deer. That dude is definitely going on the wall somewhere. It's going to make my wife real upset. 
Uh, is it? Is the scar in a spot that that can get preserved along with the mount? Like, I, I assume we're gonna go shoulder mount on this boy. Oh, dude, he's like, getting the full treatment. Yeah, can you save the scar? Save the scar on the back. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even ask about that. Like that didn't mm-hmm. even cross my mind. So, so my buck, he had a cut on each side of his nose from fighting. And I sent a picture to my taxidermist. I was like, Hey, like, you know, got some business for you or whatever. And, uh, she was like, Oh, like I see those scars. She's like, I can, you know, fix those up. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, don't fix those. Like, those are awesome. Like, yeah, he earned those. Yeah, man. I I need to get, I need to get in touch with him. So the guy that I, that I'm using, uh, his name's Josh Merzberger. He uh, has Merzberger's rut strut and stream taxidermy. So if you're in Southern Wisconsin, highly recommend Josh. He actually films for Midwest whitetail as well. So, I mean, the dude is a straight up deer killer in his own right, but he does excellent taxidermy work. So, um, anyway, so I redeemed myself, man. That's awesome. They have those mounts where the deer kind of starts like coming off the wall a little bit. And so you get more, you know, this back area. So that might be something to look into. Maybe that'll get you a little further back there. Yeah. There you go. I need to text him and see if it's on the Cape. Like if, if he's, if he's got it and tell him to leave that there. Like I need, mm-hmm. I need that for, uh, <laughs> for memory's sake. Oh, yeah. Just move that part up to like his neck. It'll be like, <laughs> yeah. <cool. laughs> Transplant it. Gang, gang thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell the full story on the next episode of the, of the Wisconsin sportsman podcast. I'm just going to run through kind of the whole thing of like day by day, what I did, but dude, it was a week of just, uh, a lot of self doubt, a lot of perseverance, a lot of, you know, I mean, super aggressive public land style of hunting, just scout, move, scout, 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 move, scout, 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 move. And, um, yeah, it, it paid off, man. So, um, I've had encounters with a couple of good bucks during this trip. I had a uh, nice two-year-old nine-point, which, you know, on southern Wisconsin public land, we're not, I'm not waiting for a five-year-old to walk through. Like, that's just, that's not in chips. Um, But I let that two-year-old nine-point go. Any other year, he would have been getting, at least getting scared real bad by me. Um, you know, try, yeah, trying to shoot him. A spine scar. Yeah, he he, he, spine he at least scar? get a scar right above his, you know, <laughs> right on the top of his back. Um, and then I had, let's see, on day, I think it was day seven. Yeah, day seven. I had a uh, a nice eight point that was probably a hundred, hundred and ten inch eight point work just downwind of me, and I was I was going to shoot him. I was going to let him have it. Um, but he winded me right before I could, you know, get drawn and, and get the shot off. So, um, yeah. And then that happened on day nine. So man, just a, a roller coaster of, a of, a of a hunting trip. Couldn't have asked for more as far as, you know, the adventure of it all and, um, overcoming just bad weather, um, hunting pressure worse than I've ever seen deer, not doing what they usually do kind of just having to throw out everything I knew about this property, just throw it out the window and start from scratch. And so, um, yeah, it's a good hunt, man. I, I want him back from the taxidermist already. Congrats, man. <laughs> I got a question for you, Josh. Yeah. So 
I've I've never taken a true like rutcation. Like I've never hunted whitetails more than maybe four days in a row. I mean, like when I was like in school, you know, Thanksgiving break, I'd have off and I'd go for a lot of days. But uh, so I've, I've basically always just been a glorified weekend warrior when it comes to whitetail. You know, maybe one or two days off work max. You know, three to four days, something like that. How much do you feel like you learn about deer hunting? being able to do like just hunt, you know, multiple days in a row and like see what the deer are doing and adjust to it. Like, do you feel like that makes you a better hunter being able to do that? Dude, I got three years worth of deer knowledge in nine days. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like the amount that I learned is probably the biggest trophy that I'm taking away from this. Um, mm-hmm. What I learned about how deer skirt pressure, how they adjust to it, what I learned about how deer use relatively flat terrain. So we don't have a lot of terrain to speak of, but there are a couple of terrain features that they just, it just really, it still funnels and pinches down deer movement. Um, I just, yeah, I just learned so much um, during this time. I, I would highly recommend it. This is the first time I've ever done anything like that. I mean, um, I would also recommend that if you do that, actually take the time off of work. So I was going out, I was getting up, leaving around four in the morning, I wasn't getting back until late. I, so I shot this buck a mile from the parking lot. We had a very long drag. Um, took us a lot, me and three other guys took us a long time to get the buck back to the parking lot. Um, I would recommend taking the time off of work though, because I was getting back at like seven thirty at night around. And then I had work to do, you know, stuff for the network or my own podcasts and that kind of thing. And uh, dude, I, I wasn't getting in bed until midnight, sometimes later sleeping for three hours, three and a half, four hours maybe, and uh, getting up to do it all again. So I was just like beat down. I mean, physically I pushed myself harder than I ever have, you know, for a longer stretch. I actually went my first, uh, the first 40 hours of the rutcation, I didn't sleep because I had had so much to do. So I left Georgia at like 1230 on Sunday drove through the night, got to Wisconsin in time to hunt Monday morning, hunted all day in Wisconsin, then had to come home back to the place where I was staying and work that night. And so it was, it was wild. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. You know, hey, Josh, I know I've been out on, you know, go to camp for a week or whatever. I saw on your story, I think it was, but you, you said you took a day to recharge. I think it was after maybe you, you missed that, that fucking originally. Can you touch on that? Because to me, that's a huge thing to do. And vacation, part of that is vacation uh, and the idea of getting a little bit of rest. And I think that that probably really helped you clear your mind. Oh. And No, yeah. John? No? <laughs> nah, man. Nah, I'm just kidding. I've, I've been there. Uh, uh, so I, I have done long hunts. I've done like long elk hunts. And, uh, yeah, running to town one morning to have a cheeseburger in the middle of that, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, man. I, I, so what I did on that recharge day is I just, I slept in until, I don't know, six thirty, seven o'clock, something like that. Got up, had some coffee, uh, went and did all the work that I needed to do, checked some trail cameras, did a little scouting, 
Um, so yeah, that, that recharge day was huge. And then <clears throat> I think it was the day before I shot this buck, actually. Um, the wind shifted on me again. It wasn't going to be good for this spot. So I knew I had to pull out. Um, I got permission on a private farm, pulled up on X, start looking for landowners, call this landowner that I've hunted, uh, turkey hunted on her property before. Give her a call because she still owns it. I'm like, sweet, this is going to be good. I call her. She says, yeah, go go get it. Um, I get there. It's all standing corn still. But I try to go up around the edge. And the what is usually a nice path, like a road, all the way around the edge of the woods, um, is they just planted corn all the way up to the woods this year. There is no path whatsoever. There are briars growing out of the woods down into the corn. And so it was just an absolute disaster. I work my way all the way back in there and it's just covered up with, um, with, uh, tree stands from the neighbor's property. He is hunting the heck out of her little property line. And, oh, uh, man. yeah, it was a real bummer. It was a real bummer. So, um, so yeah, man, I just, I just turned around and, and left there and I was like, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to drive around and scout because sitting in my car right now feels pretty dang good. I've got a big bottle of water sitting next to me. I've got some hunting podcasts playing and I feel like driving around and just looking at deer tonight. And so that's what I did. I just did that recharged. Uh, there was a, a weird wind that I, I wasn't going to commit to, you know, didn't, there was one spot that I could go with this wind that would have required me to get in a canoe and ride a canoe for about a mile and a half. And I was like, Nope, I'm not feeling that tonight. So <laughs> I am, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go ride around. And so that and the recharge day, between those two things, if I hadn't done them, uh, I wouldn't have been mentally sharp enough to spend dark to dark in a tree saddle the day that I killed that buck. And I think he was bedded so close by, he wasn't out cruising. Like the dude had just gotten out of bed and was just kind of going on about his business. Uh, if I had left midday and come back in, I think he was bedded so close, I probably would have bumped him. So, yeah, turned out well, though. Yeah, he did. Nice work. Hey yeah. guys, it's been fun. I gotta, I gotta jump off. Actually, my bad. I gotta go hang out with the old wife and baby. So have fun. But, uh, yeah. Congrats. Congratulations, yeah. you guys, Andrew. Good luck tomorrow with the dog, and uh, y'all have a good one. Thanks, John. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy the family time. Yep. See y'all. Hey, Nick. What are what are the deer doing up your way? Um, they are they're starting to really make sign like kind of like how Josh was alluding, like, wow, things are kind of opening up late. Um, I think the warm weather may be doing something along like that. I'm not a, I'm not a deer biologist. Definitely not a very good behavioralist when it comes to deer, but at the same time, like stuff's starting to pop up all over the place. Um, we are seeing more bucks. Uh, in fact, um, two of my good buddies have bucks on the ground, which has been super cool. They've had a chance to get uh, eight nice, good Michigan eight points. Um, so it's been good for them. But, yeah, it's been kind of a, a little bit of a slow start. But I think things are really kind of heating up now. Um, just just in the time for the end part of archery, uh, next week, the 15th, is the uh, gun opener. And there's going to be a lot of deer hitting the ground, I imagine. Yeah. Are you a gun hunter too, Nick? Uh, I, I enjoy archery, but right now it is whatever I can take to put something on the ground. I ain't picky. Uh, so, yep. I got the 870. She's, uh, she's going to get cleaned up. Uh, yeah, this weekend, 
uh, and uh, she'll be ready to go. Hopefully everything's sighted in from last year. Nothing's been bumped. Nothing's been moved. So we'll uh, we'll take the old Remington 870 out and hopefully put something down. I'm not going to get out the opening uh, day. Uh, we'll have to celebrate that through work, um, all the festivities, and then yeah, hit the hit the gas station to see who's riding around with something in the back. But then at the same time, we'll uh, we'll be ready for this weekend then or that weekend anyway. Yeah, N- Andrew, are you, are you seeing a lot of? Um, I mean, I, I know you had a buck come in grunting and that kind of stuff. Are you seeing a lot of rutting activity or is this kind of a weird year? Okay. So our, our podcast this week was, was with one of Ohio's deer biologists and he'll tell you that the weather really doesn't matter. <clears throat> um, as far as cold fronts and that kind of stuff goes, but I've seen everything, I think, uh, maybe not lockdown yet, but, um, let's see. The one buck that was just randomly walking through grunting the one day. Today they're out cruising. Um, yesterday I was actually in my backyard. This was a funny one because I I, I just got a uh, after our discussion about Mark Kenyon's uh, fawn in distress. I was like, okay, well I'm not going to sit out there and go, rah, rah, you know. So I ordered like a fawn in distress call. Nice. So I'm sitting up there and it, like my backyard, it, it's not anything special at all. But so I hit this, rah, rah, you know. And, um, all of a sudden my neighbor has some very overgrown pasture that it's, it's a meadow for all intents and purposes. This doe comes tearing across like right towards me. And I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, Whoa, that's cool. Like, did she just hear this? But then I realized that she has a tail following her and he was a good size buck, especially for my backyard essentially. But my backyard is not as overgrown as the neighbors and they would not leave that cover. They really? would not, not come out of that. Um, and I took a video of it, but I, you know, he was just on her and would not leave. I tried to grunt at him. I tried to sort weeds. He was not coming off of her. And she, I, if the fun and distress call brought her that way, maybe, maybe not, but, um, she didn't care enough to come all the way commit completely. So, yeah, she wanted to see something before she would commit to coming out. So, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's a great observation. It was, that was fun. That was really fun to sit there and watch. But, um, anyways, yeah, we've seen, I think I've seen just about everything as far as, um, the running goes, but Nick, I'm, I'm happy to hear that cause I'm heading your way here in a few days. So yeah, things are starting to steam up. So you're starting to really, really hit up. So I, gotta, I think it's good timing though. I got to get my, my cold season gear out though. I'll knock the dust off of that because you guys are cold up there. We'll have snow Saturday. That is, that's what all uh, weather forecasts are saying. So, yep, time to finally get the cold weather gear out. Uh, the wool, I got to dust it out. It's still hanging up, but yeah, we'll have to get the wool out. Dude, I'm not going to lie. There is so much of me that is happy that I'm leaving Wisconsin before the real cold weather hits. <laughs> like, I am thrilled. It was, I think it's 72 today or something like that in Wisconsin. And then, you know, you've got the 20s coming. So, you know, 50 yeah, degree temperature swing, out. just plummeting, plummeting. I was, sitting, I was sitting in the stand tonight and it was like, I I didn't have I, you know, a really light sweatshirt or whatever on. And um, I'm like, man, I think I'm getting cold. I think it's maybe the weather's dropping. I look at my watch, it says 70 degrees. I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm putting a sweatshirt on anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> might as well be comfortable. I, I want it to be colder. So Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So guys, what's, uh, what's coming up next? I mean, for the next couple of weeks, are you gonna, you guys still going to be chasing hard after him? Andrew, are you, you're, are you going to hunt Michigan? 
Yes. Um, so why Paul would you do are, that? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't know why I go up to that. <laughs> Everybody state, goes but, from Michigan to Ohio. Why would you go the other way? Right. We got, well, we got invited up to uh deer camp with, um, some guys. I don't know, but the, um, it's on Drummond Island. So it's way up there. Uh, we have to take a ferry to get there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't know if I've ever been North of Frankenmuth when it comes to, to Michigan. I don't really venture up there often, but take a couple days with the archery stuff and then pick out the, pull out the big guns and see what we can do. This is as close to a rutcation as I've ever taken. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Absolutely. Nice. That is God's country up there. When you get above the bridge, the UP is a whole new animal. You're going to love it. And especially way off on the East side over there by Drummond. I mean, you're going to be on an Island. You, you can't go home. You're They're on an trapped. Island. They're trapped. <laughs> Those deer can't go anywhere. They're on that Island. They're trapped. Right. And they knew I was coming. And so I won a doe tag in the lottery and they're like, Oh, the, the master doe killer. <laughs> He's coming. Dude. I, I'm looking up. I'm looking at Drummond right now. Oh my goodness. That looks dude. That's some crazy looking terrain. How many days you got left in your rotation? You want to join us? Ah, man, I wish I could. You know what? I was diverting. I I am going to divert. I I have been summoned home at this point. I was going to try to hit Illinois. um, But with only having two days to hunt um, would be Friday, Saturday. And then I'd have to really start heading, you know, back for Georgia on Sunday. I opted not to spend the, billion dollars that Illinois wants for a non-resident tag. So how much is it? I don't know exactly. It was like super expensive though. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. If I, so I shot the deer on day three and dude, when he walked out, I was like, he was mentally already on the wall. I was already like, all right, how am I going to drag this deer out of here? And I was already moving on to Illinois. I'm like, sweet. I'm going to go pack up my stuff, man. I'm going to jump in the truck. I'm going to head to Illinois. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, that didn't happen. And so, you know, I think, I think two days on a brand new place that I've never been to probably just not sufficient to feel like I can put in some good high quality sits. Um, but if I can get back to Georgia in time, then uh, the ruts really starting to crank up right now. Like this weekend is kind of what, when a lot of the wildlife management areas do their rifle hunts. Cause that's when the bucks are really kind of uh, starting to cruise a good bit. So um yeah, hopefully I'll get to do a little hunting down there. Good work, good work. Yep. Yeah, things are screwy for me as personally. Um, being part of a turkey farm, everybody wants uh, their bird on the plate. So there's been a lot of lot of draw into the family business. So, but at the same time, the whole the whole season of Thanksgiving is one that I just absolutely love. A because that's like our bread and butter. But at the same time, like no better time to like just be thankful for everything that we've got that we've been blessed with shoot the fact that we're traveling around shooting deer and then getting on deer and putting them down just the thankful and the gratitude be able to do that let's just this is the time of the year that just gets all the warm fuzzies um you know thankful for for health and everything my my whole experience through the, the first or the later part of october and the first part of november has just been dud nuts awful. Um, I went through kind of the same stuff that Parker was going. I had a kidney stone. My first one I passed, the second one got lodged. And so I actually had to go into surgery. So 
what I was going to plan on actually going for a hunt the next day and having a great weekend, I was actually overnighted up in a hospital waiting to get, uh, get that removed. So they went through the game plan and they're like, uh, yeah, we're going to go this way up to go get it. I'm like, you're telling me you're going to go the wrong way of a very specific one way like that. (laughs) That just does not sound like a good thing that needs to happen right now. And sure enough, they, they put me under, they got it out. Everything's clean, but I've got a, a stint still in me. So I'm hesitant to get into a saddle. Oh yeah. That comes, that comes out Saturday. Pain has been good as far as like, it's gone now. Now it's just a stint that is, uh, that's really a pain in the dick. If for lack of a better term, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Oh my goodness. So, oh my goodness. So I got, so I circled that whole thing back with the golden uh, opportunity that I had. And just like really the whole spirit of Thanksgiving is that me and my boy, we put two chairs in, up in the sawmill and down to dough. And I got to experience that. So it's like, good. I got my deer. We're having our experience. Everything's not done yet. There's still plenty of deer season out there. So folks, if you need to pick me up, if you need to like, if you're going through the, you know, the, just the slums right now, let me tell you, I'm with you. And there is a golden lining. You will get on deer. Just keep pushing, folks. You'll do it. Yeah, man, that's a good, that's a really good practice too, just for our mental health in general. Like just take a step back and like start to count up the things that you have in your life to be thankful for. Like absolutely, dude, the negative self-talk got in there deep during this rutcation. Like it was, I mean, it's just like, dude, you're an idiot. Why in the world would you even have a podcast? Like you're, you can't do any, like people aren't going to want to listen to you. Like you're terrible. You need to just give this whole thing up. What did, how dare you think you can make it this drive across country and kill a big buck, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, man, stop refocus on what's important. Think about, you know, all the things you have to be thankful for then move forward. Cause you're right. man. there's a lot of season left. Lots and lots exactly. of season left. And you know, it's uh, you hear about like the number of teenage girls and stuff that get depressed from Instagram or whatever. Well, guess what? I'm not gonna lie; it happens to grown men too. Okay? Oh, for every sure. Time, <laughs> every time I get on there, I like I almost put in a no Instagram scrolling uh, rule for myself because every time I get on there, it'd be like, "Oh, he got a big deer. Oh, look, Levi Morgan killed another monster." Like these guys are just like constant, and I'm sitting there thinking is my time ever going to come? But I think, like you said, be thankful, pick out the positives and, uh, keep grinding and, you know, stars will align. Like it'll, it can happen. It will happen. If knock on wood, if, if, if I can do this and if tomorrow I find a deer, trust me, it can happen for anybody. (laughs) Well, and if I can get the same buck to be dumb enough to let me shoot at him twice, twice, like, (laughs) I mean, that, that was not very intelligent of him. Like, I mean, <laughs> no. my goodness, but, um, anyways, well guys, we've been, we've been cranking along for a while. Nick, I got one more question I want to throw out there to you. I've got a f- cooler full of deer meat right now. All right. Woo! What's something that I probably haven't tried or done. I don't get creative with my wild game. I'll just be honest. Okay. With you. I'm throwing it in the crock pot and I'm cooking it slow or I'm grinding it up as burger and throwing it in spaghetti and tacos and chili and everything else. that's good what's one thing that I should make sure to try because it will be straight up like gourmet. You are, have you taken your neck apart yet? Have you taken the neck apart? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, cause there's a, 
there's a cut in there. Essentially, it's the continuation of the back strap. I refer to it as the neck fillet. They do a lot of that uh, kind of butchery with lamb. And man, I tell you what, it's it's a hidden gem it, because it's, it's very much like your back strap. But at the same time, you can you can basically cook it a little bit longer. So I slice it, or I'll uh, either smoke it or uh, roast it on it and get it to like a medium. And then you can slice that thin. You could even slice it thin raw and do like a stir fry with that. But that's a, that's a gem of a cut that I think guys are either putting into the crock pot and letting just kind of like dissolve apart. It's a really nice cut to be able to go after. Um I've also had people really interested in the liver lately. I've had answered a lot of liver questions. Did you keep the liver off this buck? Man, I did not keep the liver. And you know what? I, I definitely should have because I held it in my hands and I thought about it. But I thought, man, I don't want to be like the liver king. Like, I just, I just don't <laughs> want that. Like, if I take a bite of this, man, then I'm straight up primal and it's just going to go crazy after this. So I'd, I figured I'd spare the world uh, good, any, good. Any, of, hey. any more of that. Here's the thing that the liver king is good for is he's getting guys to keep their liver more. We're not all going to eat raw liver. You're going to take a bite and you know what? Someone's going to get the shits off that. And that's not <laughs> going to be a good thing. There's a reason we cook things folks. Yeah. So yep. going full primal, uh, I don't know about that, but his message is clear that, Hey, we need to be keeping these, I mean, nutrient packed organs. These are delicious and we have only gotten away from them because, well, a lot of people have stopped cooking. A lot of people don't need this necessity to keep, to keep these. So they don't, it's just too much hassle that they want to mess with. But there is a couple amazing dishes you can do that. Boudin, I tell you, it's a Southern, um, Creole style, uh, sausage. It's made with liver. It's made with burger. It's made with peppers and rice and a whole bunch of stock, you mix it up, you can, I end up balling them up. I don't actually put them into a casing, but I make a little ball with them. Balls, little man. Panko. Yeah. Yes. Dude. Man, that's a party pleaser right there. And you don't have to tell anybody about it. They'll eat those things. They'll clean your plate and you won't have to say anything about liver. That's right. Dude, I, I lived in Louisiana for eight years. So like, oh, balls you? were like, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was where it was at, man. So, well, all right, guys, thanks for coming on uh, again tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week at Deer Camp. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. 